Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Door Cut Show. Today, we will cover some Memphis Tigers basketball. We'll recap the UAB game. Or no, sorry. Preview the UAB game. Recap the Bradley game. And then I got the Chief with me today who is going to give us a State of the Union address uh, regarding the University of Men's basketball team, University of Memphis. It's hard to talk right now for some reason. Don't worry about it. Uh, but you've had boots on the ground for all the home games, I believe. Is that correct? Mo- yeah, all the home games. That's correct. Okay, so you got you got a good feel of what's going on in the forum, around the forum. Um, so you can update us on all that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at BarnburnerBro. And you can find our show on Twitter at Backdoor Cut Show. You can subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify, all those places if you like what you're hearing. And Sam, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at the Barn Chief, but tonight I'm Sammy Memphis, man. I got the jersey on here, the Antonio Anderson jersey, by the oh. way. Of course, not actually branded because the NCAA um, doesn't profit off players at all. Nope. Uh, you know, they definitely don't do that. So it's just a blank number five jersey, but I like to think of it as tone. And I uh, got my Memphis hat here, too, the Mike Miller special. Always wearing a Memphis Nike hat, regardless of whether he where he is. He does not wear the hat with the suit, though, which is important because that is a terrible look. Never do that, anyone. Unless you're one of the Roy family. Yes, unless you have like a – yeah, exactly. It's still a terrible look, but yeah. – uh, but yes, I mean, because you, you, when you're flying in choppers all the time, like your hair is all over the place, you gotta <laughs> gotta wear a hat to keep your hair locked in. Um, look, in this period of the Grizz being terrible, like with all the guys out that we even care about to watch, like you have to sort of find solace in the Tigers, or at least I do anyway. That's why some of those years where both the Grizz were bad, and then also we had Tubby Smith were particularly abysmal. Um, but you know, we we have to rely on the Tigers to get us important wins and to be exciting brand of basketball for us to enjoy. And it's the one team in the city right now where we could actually conceivably win something that matters, you know, and, and they're pretty much favored in every game they play. Um, there's multiple, you know, sort of future NBA players on this team. They play an exciting brand of basketball. So uh, I, I tried to sort of hone in on the Tigers this year uh, in the midst of the Grizz injuries, as we're seeing already. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned an exciting brand of basketball for the Tigers, and I would in general agree, but we have to talk briefly about this Bradley game the other day. Uh, that was not what I would call exciting. After mm-hmm. the NC State game, watching that on TV, that was awesome. In the Barclays Center where Tigers put up 55 points in the first half, um, you hoped that that was what was going to continue uh, into the season, but they just they totally did not. Uh, coming back home, hosting Bradley, only 29 points in the first half. Did it feel as bad as it looked? Yeah, it was like pulling teeth to watch this game. It was terrible. Yeah, it felt worse. It looked it looked worse. It felt worse to be there. Uh, I couldn't imagine what it's like to watch on on TV. Sidebar: I haven't actually watched a game on TV yet. Does the court look crazy on a TV screen? Because everyone talks about that all the time. Everyone acts like they're looking at like directly at the sun and their eyes burn out of their head because they're watching on TV. But like when you're at the game, it, it just it looks like a basketball court. It to me, it kind of looks like um, like a preseason tournament court. Okay. So like if you're watching, I don't I don't have a specific one in mind, but if you're not if you're totally not expecting it, it might actually look kind of weird. But it just looks like a fun court. 
Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's not like super weird. I was surprised because, uh, you know, at Memphis Madness, you know, they obviously had the dick that they had to shave mm-hmm. off the head. But then they also <laughs> painted in. There was just the hardwood color. Um not in the outside the three or inside the three point line, but outside the paint, which yeah. is hardwood, and then they painted it gray uh, before the actual season started. So that was a little different than what we were, what I was expecting to see at least. So that was kind of like taking it the next level to make it the the Boise State kind of football yeah. reference. A lot of changes, um, you know, slowly and incrementally. So we didn't know what they were throwing at us game by game, and so the fans may not have been fully ready for that moment where the to see it on TV, but here we are, uh, eight games in. Uh, the Bradley game, though, was was abysmal to watch. You you really are happy that the other team um, oh, yeah. had a stinker game too, right? That that we had a stinker game and obviously couldn't hit a single shot, uh, but they played worse. And I mean, semi testament to our defense. You know, we played pretty well, but also they they shot quite a lot of open threes, which I think is one of the weaknesses of this team defensively. This Memphis mm-hmm. team. Uh, they just missed him. I mean, at, at some point, like they just had the yips, and it was just like uh, it was honestly terrible basketball to watch, and and not something you want to see. You certainly want to see the team getting better. Um, now we've had what four or five games with James Wiseman out, so you want to see those group of guys like sort of get better and grow together as they play. We had less kind of get that hand injury as well, so they've kind of like Penny's trying to figure out who to start and how he wants to distribute minutes and the lineups he wants to use. Um, but I mean. What you watched on TV was didn't feel much better in, in the forum, I'll tell you that. Yeah, in the first half, Memphis shot 33% from the field, and Bradley shot 25 Yeah. Uh, the It felt like they both shot 7%. I mean, like, every time down the court, like, it was just, ugh. It was painful. The only good thing was Lomax, who scored 10 points in the first half. So that, off the bench, you know, that was pretty much the lone bright spot. Well, once again, he served as a kickstarter for our offense, which he seems to be uh, kind of doing recently, which is very important for us, uh, especially because our depth is shrinking slowly. And we're getting to the point where if anything else happens, it could be challenging for us. But I, I don't hate the squad we have right now. It's still a pretty good team, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can't hate it at all. I mean, you got to... You know, five-star potential lottery pick kind of anchoring the team in the front court, Precious Achua, and then you've got, you know, Boogie Ellis, as we're seeing, is getting more minutes now with, with the Lester injury, and he's kind of been that spark plug. He's kind of come of his own the last two games, uh, and we hope that – what you hope is, right, in a situation like this, you hope that the Wiseman thing kind of turns out to be a, a blessing in disguise. You know, you hope that, mm-hmm. that these other guys get run and start playing well uh, and, you know, start to develop some camaraderie. So when you bring back a Wiseman who's just so dominant, you just throw him in there. And then a Lester who kind of does everything. I always liked Lester when he played. Great rebounding guard. But the team's just better, like, because everyone else has had the run. Um, so that's maybe the way that you turn this whole thing, this NCAA fiasco, into a positive. Yeah, and just to run down a few things in this game that stuck out to me, the Memphis allowed 19 offensive rebounds. To Bradley, yeah. the previous high for Memphis uh, up to that point in the season was 13, and I believe that they surpassed that, you know, pretty early into the second half. So that was kind of discouraging. Uh, Elijah Childs for Bradley had 14 rebounds, so we let one guy on their team get 14 rebounds. Let all players, so he even had more than Achua, who had uh, 13 rebounds. Uh, he did, Achua did get five blocks. Uh, that that was an interesting game from him because I'm. Maybe I'm spoiled now. I expect him to be a double-double guy 
uh, essentially, because he's had a couple good games in a row. He seemed really dominant. He only had six points. He was 3-13 of from the field, so pretty tough night putting the ball in the hoop. But he did have 13 rebounds and five blocks. Yeah. So uh, he still impacted the game. Yeah. I know people were point. It didn't really feel so much like he was impacting it, though. Uh, it, 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 what I will say is watching it in person, like he, he does impact the game when he's not scoring. That was a, a good example of a game where the ball wasn't going through the hoop. So he was rebounding or he was blocking. There was, there was a one possession where he had two blocks on the same guy who got an offensive rebound. Precious blocked him twice, um, right into the rim without fouling, then ended up getting the rebound and then pushed it down the floor. He always looks up for, you know, the, the person leaking out. He likes to dribble too he likes to run the break mm-hmm. uh, and then when he does that all of those fans around are like pass it pass it pass it pass it to a guard is um, it is it like it's where it the kid is feels. like oh is it at how it feels yeah. on tv yeah. it looks like cool like oh he's adding another element to his game i'm fine with it I, like honestly he hasn't turned it over everyone acts like it's like you know like um like roy hibbert dribbling the ball down the court but it's like no dude he can like handle the ball yeah uh real, real quick i want to talk offensive rebounds too but real quick we got some barber and a slim comments here on the periscope uh first he commented on the court he says the court seems gimmicky i could see that you know like we see the the oregon has the trees or whatever and like i i thought the more gimmicky court was our, la- our previous court with the fucking stupid bridge and like There's the skyline too yeah. much way too much this is at least a solid color scheme you know, and I mean, it, you turn it on, you're like, whoa, it does have the Boise State feel for sure. I mean, but it is gimmicky. There's no doubt. It uh, looks more it, like a streetball court, I think, than a normal basketball court that you would see in college basketball. Yeah. And and I guess the hope is you're flipping through channels, you catch it and you, you stick on and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, next, he says, ALO MVP so far. We can certainly talk about uh, Alex Lomax's impact on this team, but it has been almost immeasurable, really. I mean, the stats measure his his reaction as a, a per of 24 the highest per on the team right now i believe um he's uh he's averaging i think nine four and four um so he's he's uh he's doing kind of a little bit of everything but i think his leadership is certainly the thing that stands out to me whenever i watch him enter the game there's a calming presence and exactly what you want to see out of your you know at this point like he's a, ve- a veteran point guard based on the rest of our personnel uh, as a sophomore um, nights and day different than last year. He seems to figure out come of his own, doesn't shoot jumpers. Uh, and he's getting to his spots when he does shoot a jumper and just seems to be playing the pace of the game that he wants to play. Um, that that's been awesome. And he certainly has been, he, he has been MVP of the team so far, maybe not in stats, but in team leadership. Um, you need a guy like that on the team full of freshmen, sophomore or experienced guards. That's how you win tournament games. Very I mean, much. we, I'm going to probably say that every, every so often, whenever they have, he and Tyler end up having good games, uh, and carrying us like they did this game, where Tyler had uh, he was two from five, two of five from th- three. So he started off the season ice cold. He's made multiple threes, uh, three or four games in a row now. And uh, when we're shooting pretty terrible from beyond the arc, he's kind of the lone person that uh, has re- maintained his confidence, and he's still shooting it. And now it's start- finally starting to fall for him. We know he's a good shooter. He just has to get in that rhythm and he's playing less minutes than he was last year, but uh, he's being really, he's being really critical off the bench too. So I've, that's been great to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. And then he's Penny's really figured out how to use Alo and Tyler together off the bench. Um, and, and the best part about it this year is they're both playing their game, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and Alo's facilitating kind of being the leader 
Tyler is, you know, standing in his spots at three and, and, you know, shooting it if he gets it with an open shot and he makes a lot of them now. Um, he's kind of got his, his feet underneath them and he feels he's within rhythm. Um, they're both, you know, nine points a game and, and doing what they're, what they're best at. So that's exactly what you want to see. And, and if they can continue to play together like this and come off the bench in the case that, you know, everyone's kind of freaking out, Damian Bow gets an early foul or whatever, bring those guys off and then have a calming presence. That's, you know, a luxury that a lot of teams don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there wasn't a whole lot that happened the rest of the game. Tigers gutted it out, 71-56, so you, f- you feel good about that. Uh, I, I, something to note is that Daryl Brown, who played at Germantown High School, and I didn't know that until the, know this fact until this week, but he was uh, he's the godson of Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, Penny and his dad are really good friends, and he no, grew up, known him his whole life. Uh, played for Team Penny, and he ended up at Bradley, and so he came back. So this is the first game inside the forum as a college athlete, and it's kind of a bummer for him. He shot one uh, 15 from the field. He's Bradley's best player, so when he played that poorly, that was just not a good sign for a team that you know is already not super deep. Yeah, he came in too hot, I think. He uh, wanted to impress the local crowd. and Yeah. That's that's tough. That's a tough beat for that guy, but hopefully he has a bounce back, and uh, he'll never stop being Penny's godson, so there's that going for him. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. All right, so let's move into your thoughts. How are we doing overall for the season, the Tigers? I mean, I, I, what I tell people is, look, we, we, we're, we're at 7-1. and one. The only loss is against a very good Oregon team. Would have really liked to win that game. Um, I was really annoyed by that game because – you know, we had a, a, all of our personnel. I know we're young. Uh, it was just a frustrating game to watch that was, like, right there a lot of times, but then they'd come down and hit a big three, like an upperclassman. It just sort of reminded me what it's like to watch freshmen. Um, but I knew that that game that game's going to be really important come seeding time, right? Like, we're mm-hmm. going to look back on that game and think, like, man, if we just won that, then we're looking at a two or three seed as opposed to a four or five, and now we're not playing, like, a 12-seed Kansas State. You know, or you know, what I mean, like that—that that stuff really yeah. matters. So that—that's one really annoying factor of the season so far. But otherwise, like, you know, even when we play bad, we find ways to win, which is which is important, especially come tournament time, because there's not going to be a time where everyone's on. Um, the guys play really hard. They they, they play really really hard. Uh, the the one weakness is, as we alluded to earlier, the offensive boards, man, are so shitty. Like, I, I don't know what it is but i do know that every coach that watches any film on us is going to say you can beat this team if you just crash the boards mm-hmm. uh, and every team that we played so far has done it bradley did it and you, you it's really concerning right because they just don't have the athletes that that you would expect other teams in the american and certainly not in the tournament to have um no, no disrespect to bradley but you know what i mean uh, yeah, they're and, they're not like a top fifty, top twenty five team right. or anything. And that one guy, the one big man that you said uh, forgot his name, but number ten or whatever, mm-hmm. like he was the what was the one like you know reasonable athlete on the team, and he just crushed us on the offensive boards. Yeah. Uh, so if you have like a, a five team, a five man team of athletes and guys that can have a nose for the ball, like rebounding guards, and they're just going to wreak havoc on us. Um, so we have to hope that we can get the board and then, you know, leak out for, for a transition bucket. But that that's been a super big Achilles heel of this team and something that everyone's going to exploit until we figure out a way to do something about it. There's a lot of standing around. Uh, my girlfriend's a big proponent of rebounding and, and making free throws. She like all, that's like her two big things. One thing she notices every time we watch them is that all the guards just stand around and, and don't, hmm. you know, don't, don't box out anybody. Um, there's a lot of ball watching. 
uh, particularly Malcolm, you know, Malcolm Dandridge has played some minutes now. We want to see a big body like that uh, really boxing out. You know, if you're going to do anything, Malco, like rebound, right? Like uh, when you're on the court. But he's he's been kind of guilty of the game being more fast-paced. Uh, you can notice him. He'll ball watch. He'll see a shot go up, and hmm. rather than put his body on someone, he's just looking at it, whether it goes in. Um, that's something that we need to see more of. And this team is playing NBA-style offense, which is no surprise, right? We have... We have three NBA guys on the bench, uh, and Tony Madlock, a, a seasoned college professional, um, and he um, he. Well, I just lost a, I had a brain fart because Slim commented on something. Uh, That's he com- okay. Complimented I- Ivy, yeah, but no. So we're we're playing uh, a pick and roll style of professional basketball, and it it lo- it's good in theory. We have shooters, you know, we have big men that can kind of like precious. Like, I mean, that's as soon as we get across the half court line, we have a big man running up to screen for the guard. Like, it's clearly what the intent is, mm-hmm. is to pick and roll. You either get to the rim, you dump it off to the roll man, or you kick out to the corner for a shooter. It's there in place, uh, in theory, but none of our guys can set a, a screen. Like, th- there's the screen is completely ineffective. Um, and not even in the sense of the guard, the defensive guards going under it and just daring whoever is up there to shoot. It's just like they don't even make contact with the with the defender so that the got a big bow run up there and he'll just he'll stand there but then the there's no actual pick set um so it's like it completely stops the play from the very beginning yeah nearly every pick i've seen them try to set is ineffective i don't know why that is i think it's a combination of both the big man and the guards too. the guard and pick and roll obviously is just as responsible for kind of leading his defender into the pick and waiting until the big man gets set before they kind of like make it happen um so whoever's like teaching that really needs to, I don't know, look up some YouTube tutorials or some shit about it. Or like, maybe we need to just do a different style of offense because Mm -hmm. we can't set an actual pick. The pick and roll will not be successful if there's no pick. Yeah. Maybe, Uh, I don't know. Could have something to do with the guards not being patient enough. Not, maybe that's why they're not using the screen. Uh, Who, who would you say after precious right now, you know, not taking Wiseman into account is our second best big man. So you got like, uh, Lance Thomas, Isaiah Maurice, Malcolm Dandridge. Who do you put in there for the majority of minutes if you're playing a two big man lineup? So I, I kind of like that we played a lot of small ball, but I like DJ's kind of a stretch. He's like a four three, um, but he he's not a big man per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's played probably he's probably the second best player right now. I mean, he's he's uh, efficient. He always hunts down the ball a- after a missed shot. You know, for a cleanup dunk. Um, and he plays within himself for the most part. He doesn't really jack any shots. If he takes a jumper, it's usually in the spot that he knows he can make it. Um, and he plays with the real ferocity, too. So he can kind of guard a lot of different positions in college, too. But, I mean, inevitably, if he's on a guy like Wiseman or Malco, on, you know, a guy like that, he's not going to be able to guard him. Don't really see a lot of those guys in college, though. Uh, so I, I like DJ a lot. DJ's played great minutes for us. and In fact, started the Bradley game. Yeah, if you'd asked me like two weeks ago, he was – would have been my MVP, um, but Alo's really stepped it up since then. D- DJ and Alo kind of off, coming off the bench is real deadly. I uh, I look forward to when that is our lineup again because I think that just going to be that's going to wear down so many teams with the talent that those guys have coming off the bench. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, and that's that's the advantage we have, I think, and that's why we've seen. Even games we play like we did versus Bradley, the second half, we just got so many athletes and, le- and fresh legs. You know, mm-hmm. like we see these teams tire down, uh, and then we always pull. You've noticed that I'm sure that you could track this, but it seems like 
we're, every team is within reasonable striking distance at half, you know, I mean, it might be 10 to 12 to 15, or it might even be seven or six or so uh, a lead, but then we always pull away, you know, at about the like 25 minute mark of the whole game, you know, the second half, there's like a point where five, six, seven minutes into the second half, we start to pull away. And I can only think that it has something to do with our legs, like our, our freshness uh, and the amount of players that we play in constant rotation. We got another question from Slim, who's feels like he's in uh, he's, he's basically here, here in man. spirit. Yeah, <laughs> but he's so his questions is a hey good man. One. I'm just glad we're actually answering his questions because I've been doing this shit and y'all just ignore my shit. So I'm just trying to you know I'm just trying ah. to to trying to play a part here and and facilitate have conversations with the audience. Yeah, anyone else who's watching on Periscope, give us a give us a question. We'll yeah, make fun of us. Look, I'm a 30 year old guy wearing a basketball jersey right now. Uh, you, I should be made fun of. Like you guys should definitely make fun of me. So the question is, uh, and actually Mason and I talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, would you move Alo to the starting lineup or does he add too much to the bench unit? What do you think? Man, I, you know, I, so who, who does that, my follow-up question then is who does that remove from the starting lineup? I guess we're assuming Damian Bow goes to the, the bench or do we move Boogie uh, off as a spark plug scorer? So when, I, when Lester initially went down, uh, I think Mason – was a proponent of moving DJ to the starting lineup, but I was wanting to move Alex and keep DJ on the second unit. So Penny pretty much went with Mason's plan. Uh, and I think right now, if things are working, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I think he basically has been the starter anyway. I mean, he basically plays starter he, minutes. Yeah, he plays more minutes than Ball. We've seen Ball get in a lot of foul trouble, but so he's effectively, you know, like kind of playing like a, yeah, like a, a, a six man starter. Like, I mean, I think it, it's kind of matchup dependent and also how well the starters are playing versus how well Alo comes in and settles down the team. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think he, it's going to win win, right? If you, if you, you know what you're going to get from Alo, you know, you're going to get someone that leads, settles down the team, plays within himself, especially this season. Um, whereas like maybe we start off the game and bow and boogie are super hot and having one of those, like, Oh damn, this is why they were so high ranked kind of games. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, then you're fine. You let them roll. But then if they start, you know, they start playing terribly and having those freshman moments, then you bring in uh, Alo off the bench. So it's like, I, I think probably you keep it as is. Um, and I'm sure that's something they discussed with Alo. Like, look, like you're going to play starter minutes. Um, and particularly when we need you to come in and take care of the team, make sure everyone's like in the right headspace. Yeah, and for future seasons when we aren't getting like six five-star recruits, he could definitely be in that starting lineup. Oh yeah, in the team. I, I, I suspect he'll start a, the next two seasons. Like regardless of who we bring in, I think he'll start at point guard, junior, senior season, and play a huge role on, on what I hope to be, you know, even better teams. Very true. Um, okay, so looking forward to the UAB game. So Tigers are going to go down to Birmingham to play their longtime rival UAB. So had a lot of fun games against them. This is the Bartaw Classic game, of course, named after the late Gene Bartaw, who coached at both. The Civil War General, right? It's an old wooden ship, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Who uh, he Led led the Union Army to the Battle of... No, 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 no. Oh, no. no, no, no. We got the shark. He, uh, He weighed in here. He's watching the show live from D.C., Oh, hold on. Let me get through the UAB prep quick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Gene Barnes, uh, he led Memphis State to the title game in the 70s, and then he also coached at UAB. So ties to both schools. 
Memphis has played UAB. This will be the fiftieth time that the two schools have played each other, um, which is sixth all or like the sixth most times that Memphis has played anyone in their history. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a kind of interesting fact. Uh, I was also interested to see Florida State was on that list because I don't. I mean, that must have been like before my time. I really cannot remember them consistently playing Florida State. Unless I'm missing something. No, I don't remember that either. I, I remember UAB. UAB is during the Cal years. Um, and and uh, So I know a little bit about that. But, yeah, the Florida State, no idea when the yeah, hell that and, was. And, and there's like Louisville, obviously. Yeah, Louisville, and yeah. A couple other teams uh, that were familiar. But the Florida State really stuck out as odd to me. Um, I have to ask my mom about that, I guess. Uh, she remembers yeah. from her college days. That's like find a baby boomer. In, uh, in Memphis and be like, hey, when did we used to play Florida State a lot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then say, okay, Boomer, because, okay. because we're because... meme culture. Then have a picture of Baby Yoda, too. You guys seen the John Moran Baby Yoda? Not Check that uh, out. Yeah, I saw your uh, updated uh, updated uh, picture profile picture on Twitter. Hoop he does. I assume that's for Mandalorian. That is for Mandalorian, yes. Okay, yes. I just... I got on you know Twitter today and it was just there were baby Yodas everywhere doing all kinds of stuff. So all you got to know is baby Yodas everywhere. I assumed that that had uh, it was due to Mandalorian. Yeah. Ah, deductive reasoning. Good job, Zach. Very nice. Good inference. Uh, so UAB just played Kentucky and Texas, where they lost by eleven and nine points respectively to those two teams. Uh, so they played both of those guys close. Uh, they have a terrible strength of schedule outside of that. Everyone else is in the bottom third on Ken Palm earlier in the year. They released their best player uh, for conduct detrimental to the teams. So I don't I didn't do a whole lot of digging to find out what that actually was, but they, so they released their best player. So that obviously doesn't help. They play super slow, 331st in adjusted tempo. Uh, when Memphis is, you know, I believe like a top 10, 15 in tempo. So that could go, it could end up being the Bradley game if UAB controls the tempo, or it could end up blowing them out if we play a run and gun style uh, like we definitely need to play. Because as you mentioned, we cannot set screens at the top of the key. So mm-hmm. beating them down the floor is probably our best option. Yeah, very much so. Got to make the style of our game fit our style of play. Because uh, if we get into the 25-second shot clocks, like throw it into the post and, you know, Precious gets two early fouls and then I'm staring down the barrel of, you know, what what is going to be a very sad watching experience for me. So let's, uh, you know, let's let's go with Zach's keys to the game here. I, I will say, uh, so UAB strengths, uh, the first one is very alarming, offensive rebounding. So we just faced Bradley who oh, man. destroyed us on the offensive boards. Oh. And UAB is top 10 in the nation. It's like almost the only thing they do well is the top 10 in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. So we, we have to beat them there. Or like we have to minimize their offensive rebounds. Has to be. Make shots, right? (laughs) Make, yeah, yeah. that, as Coach Coach Pastner would say. So eloquently put. Yeah. Balls didn't go through the rim. But UAB is a very good team. You know, they're very well coached. (laughs) Uh, They should be top five, honestly. They're just amazing. Yeah, UAB, yeah. They don't, their weaknesses, they don't shoot well. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, 30% from three, 45 from two. Uh, they shoot well from the line, but they don't ever get to the line. They don't have a high assist rate. 
they're in the pretty much the bottom of the NCAA in that. No one on their team averages more than two assists, 2.1 assists per game, and they also have a high turnover percentage. It, they turn it over less times than Memphis, but at the pace Memphis is playing, if you compare them, it's a better percentage. So we certainly need to rebound. Seems very similar to the last game. Rebound, and Memphis just needs to hit some shots and get the score up there, and that that's how they're going to win this game. So I, I would I would say I don't I know nothing about UAB, uh, and as far as far as you say, I'm going to believe everything you say, and that's how we're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do want to point out some some team stats based on this team this year that I found pretty interesting. The Memphis um, team or UAB? The Memphis team. Okay. Uh, that, that we do particularly well. That that honestly doesn't really pass the eye test. Uh, I feel surprised that we are actually eighth in the country in free throws attempted, um, and and eleventh in free throws made. Uh, meaning that we're really getting to the line at a at a huh. at a high level, like a you know a nearly top ten level, which means our guards are doing a good job of going to the rim and drawing fouls and drawing contact, which is what you want. I mean, you you want to be attacking the rim, um, so that's good. Uh, we also are scoring eighty four points per game, which is eleventh in the country. Uh, so we're scoring at an insane rate, um, and and again, like that's not surprising given the pace of play that we play at. So. Uh, I think those kind of those two stats are things we need to continue to excel at to be a team like UAB, you know, really take it to them at the rim and make them foul us. And if we're going to play slow, then we're at least going to live at the three uh, the free throw line. Right. Because we're pretty much middle of the pack on three point percentage, which is somewhere with this crop of players. I expected us to be shooting much better than the 33, 34 percent that we're shooting at. Because, you know, we brought in guys like Boogie Ellis, um, Quinones and you brought back Tyler. I was expecting better three-point shooting. Now they've each each one of them has had their game where they've gone off, but really it's not been consistent. And no, no you, consistency. You hope that that builds uh, throughout the season. Pretty much it has to. Some someone's going to have to get hot once we get into conference tournament and NCAA tournament, or things could go south. But uh, I mean, I'm optimistic that those things will happen, especially when. James is back, and everyone's going to have to respect him a whole lot more. Or he's going to shoot 80% from the field like he was shooting, and you don't have to shoot threes at that point. No, you don't. Just dump it off to the big man and and watch it happen. Um, okay, so uh, unless you have anything further on UAB, i got to address a, a couple comments here from um, the Shark uh, at, at Barnburner. He is a, a member of the Theater and College Hoops podcast, of which any Barnburner Podcast Network fans – Surely read, listen to their content because they're putting out content constantly. Uh, it is it is cutting edge, mind blowing college basketball analysis from a group of guys um, that honestly watch more college basketball than I've ever known anyone to watch. It is so deep cut. It niche is good basketball. stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, and if you're a fan of John Rothstein, which if you aren't, then why aren't you? Uh, then you'll love these guys. Uh, they're they're Rothstein acolytes. Acolytes. Um, anyway, so now that I plug theater and college hoops, check it out. One of the members uh, asked us. Who do you think is a better in-game coach, Penny Hardaway or the guy selling popcorn? Uh, a couple of thoughts jump out to me here. Uh, which guy selling popcorn? The uh, I feel like there's a heavy difference between each of these guys. Um, we'll say that the guy that I bought popcorn from, every time I bought popcorn in the forum, do not trust this guy. Uh, he one time gave me a pretzel instead of popcorn, so there's no way I'm going to trust my offense with him. So do not trust that guy, regardless of how good or bad Penny is at coaching. Uh, second question. Are we sure Penny's bad? 
I mean, I, I, what I can't say is that he's good necessarily, but at what point do we decide someone's a good or bad coach? You know, at what, at what point is it a, is it a, uh, a certain level of wins in the tournament? Is it a, a season of wins, losses? You know, is it a, uh, I mean, based on what we've seen, right, we've seen a first-year head coach with a shitty roster. He overachieved point. last year, I think. I have to be, right? I mean, you have to say that. I, like, uh, so overachieved last year. So if that, I mean, at what point is that his fault or, you know, is, who's who's a testament to that too? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a good coach, but but there's a lot of, really, I think I think this is just the shark trolling, but, but I think there's some commentary out there about like him being a bad coach, and I don't think we have the evidence for that either. So, um, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out as the season progresses. Uh, he, he's certainly not as bad as that uh, that snake, uh, Quanzo Martin, that slithered out of Knoxville and is now slithering out of, of Cal as well. So uh, I know that, that the shark hates Quanzo Martin, so I'm just triggering him there with a similar coach reference. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Penny's done nothing to say. I'll, one of the big things I can point to is that last year he figured out, like, get the ball to Jeremiah Martin. Forget everything else. Give him the ball. You know, we he adjusted – he was trying a lot of lineups, trying to play all these people. He cut that down. He figured out what was working, and he went with it. Now, I have seen the lineups this year. He's playing a lot of people in these games, like Jaden and Ryan Boyce. Uh, I, I got to assume that these lineups are going to get trimmed some the further we get in the season. Uh, like when we play Tennessee, I don't think you're going to see 10 guys uh, play minutes. When we get into conference play, I don't think you'll see that either. Uh, so if if he's still playing those guys at that point, 10, 15 minutes a game, then I'm concerned. I'd be confused at what's going on. But uh, right now, I think he's doing pretty good. I don't know why the hell Jaden's playing. That's something we discussed in the group chat. And here's the thing. Uh, oh, my puppy dog's playing over here. So um, Jaden Hardaway. Like he might as well be a one of those like crash dummies they put out there on wheels that they put a Memphis jersey on and like some compression pants and like just roll him up and down the court because if you actually watch him it literally you don't he doesn't do anything he literally does nothing like he doesn't rebound he doesn't shoot the ball he doesn't defend anybody really other than just be a warm body out there he doesn't make any dumb mistakes necessarily he just doesn't do anything. Whoa, did you just play my own voice back? Well, I, what was that, what was no, that about? I was watching it on my phone, watching the Periscope, and uh, the volume was on. Wow, man, that's a my pretty bad. conceited of you. That's pretty my conceited bad. to watch the, uh, the Periscope on. I make sure on, this uh, thing works. All right, I'm going to pull out the Periscope and play it into my uh, – it's going to be Periscope-ception. But, it, like, so he literally does nothing. I don't understand why he plays any minutes. Um, it, it's classic coaches on shit, I have to assume. Uh, and, and I'm not saying – like, I don't, I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying, like – it's such a bizarre circumstance for him to be out there um, and, and do nothing. And I challenge all of you, if you watch a Memphis game, when he's out there watching, he played 10 minutes in the Bradley game and shot one shot and had zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks. It, it was fucking Someone send shit. that to Mark Titus. Mark wild Titus shit. needs to see that stat line. I guarantee this is going to be – you're going to laugh at this. If, if I played 10 minutes in that basketball game, I would have more stats than Jaden Hardaway. I guarantee that. I would have a rebound. I'd have a rebound somewhere. Or if he didn't right, even foul. Clean, uh, I'd, have a, I'd definitely have more fouls than him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I would, I would have like – I'm not saying like anything big would happen or whatever, uh, but I'm just saying like it was just wild to watch this guy. He just stands in the corner um, and you know, does nothing else really. 
yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully we don't have to see you like that all season. I would yeah. Think. How can we make this happen, says Barnburner Slim. Barnburner Slim, Barn Slim knows, man, that oh, Harper's getting in my lap. Barbara Slim knows that I crashed the boards, uh, and then I'm a fucking monster on the offensive boards. With okay? wild abandon. Yeah, or yeah. reckless abandon. Yeah, I'd probably, like, just over the back. Like, I'd be out of the game in 10 minutes. I'd fell out. But, damn it, I would play, I would play those. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, he has an actual tangible idea. Yeah, I might he do says, What do you think, Harper? He says uh, his suggestion is to run on the floor from the stands, snag a board, just to make a point. <laughs> I, I mean, I just it's it's a it's bizarre that he plays so many minutes and then um, really doesn't you know do anything. And that, that's that's my point. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm I'm sound like a hater, but that's just you know like we've all discussed why does he play so many minutes, and the answer is we don't know. Yeah, Tyler could get up a couple more shots or something. Yeah. Cool. I think that uh, brings us to a close. Unless you got anything else, Harper, you got anything? No. Okay. No. Um, I She's do want some good camera time. Yeah, she does. Let me just go ahead and get her in the shot here. All right. You see that, Harpy? Yeah, that's nice. Um, so Louisville, there's a discussion about getting Louisville on the schedule. Uh, th- th- have Ooh, you seen that? True. Yeah. Uh, there, there's That's one thing I want to talk about. Second thing I want to talk about, Coach Calipari schedules uh, a home-and-home home with Michigan, um, who's coached by none other than a former NBA player by the name of Juwan Howard, one of the Fab Five. Um, and went on this huge tirade about how all he wants to do is play like a you know a good school like that, and how like like basically like wants to gift this former player like with this home and home series or whatever. Um, which I read as a complete other middle finger to us, right? Because Penny's been talking about how he wants to schedule home and home with Kentucky since he's been hired, yeah. and has reached out to Cal accordingly, and Cal will not have it. Um, so that's been ridiculous. Uh, and I, I know it, it leads me even more to believe that Cal is probably responsible for the Wiseman stuff. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, another scheduling note is that, uh, I don't know if it was Penny, but it came, or if he said it, but it came to light that he's trying to potentially schedule some sort of like classic type situation with Vanderbilt, Michigan and Georgetown, mm-hmm. uh, like in Madison square garden. That would be, that would be really fun. Yeah, that'd so be basically great. he's saying, okay, Cal and all you other blue bloods who won't come play, or you won't schedule these home and homes with, you know, me. Basically, feels like you know direct attack at Penny at this point uh, when John Howard's getting reached out to by Penny, uh, but Penny's taking into his own hand his connections to trying to like drum up some cool, exciting basketball for us, and that, that's pretty neat. I thought. I think it's tough to like, I mean, I think this is kind of where we see like his, his kind of clapbacks at Rick Barnes and all that sort of stuff, like, which fires us as fans up, but maybe not, maybe not the best way to act when you're trying to schedule games. Right. And you're trying to like build rapport with these coaches, mm-hmm. no doubt Rick Barnes that did not help, you know, the continued scheduling of Tennessee. Yeah. I'm sure Rick Barnes is like, fuck this. I don't have to play you guys. Like if I'm going to come in there and you're going to talk shit about me and then like make it a big public thing when nothing really happened, to be honest, like, I, I can't fathom why he would do that, you know, why, yeah. or why anyone would come and play us um, if Penny's just going to, like, talk shit, which I get, you know, you want to defend your guys, but there's also some level of schmoozing to this. There's, like, this coaching camaraderie. There's this, like, hey, let's go sit at the hotel bar at, like, you know, these really big New York hotels and, like, know each other and, you know, the Gary Parish side of the world. Um, let me be clear. I, I drank, I've, I've drank in six old fashions with every Blue Blood coach 
That's me, my Gary Parish. Breaking out impressions. Okay. Yeah, big night for me. Big night. I would have I would have more stats on Jane Hardaway in ten minutes of Division One college basketball uh, than he did in the Bradley game. Uh, I've got a dog in my lap, and I do a good Gary Parish impression. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie; it's throwing me off uh, my train of thought. Because her awful. entire body's right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, yeah, Penny may like all the smoke, and all the fans like all the smoke, but that's not necessarily the best business decision. So I think we're kind of seeing where that is potentially hampering us in some areas, and hope something we have to work through. Yeah, very much so. We'll see as the scheduling progresses. But um, any other closing thoughts as we as we hop off air? Nope. Uh, we'll definitely have a show next week uh, trying to get a guest to talk the game that we've all had circled on our calendars, the Memphis UT game in Knoxville this year. You can subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network where you'll find the Backdoor Cut where we'll talk Tigers, Grizzlies, also theater and college hoops, as Sam mentioned earlier, and uh, in the can where Sam's talking movies and films and TV shows, all that good stuff. So you can subscribe there. Uh, go check out the-barnburner.com. A lot of the content we covered today, I uh, posted an article with the UAB scouting report in my notes from the Bradley game and a couple of recruiting tidbits we didn't cover in this show. Uh, so you can go there and check that out. That's the-barnburner.com. Until next time. See Peace. You. Say bye, Harp.